Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 5. As you're turning there, the children can be dismissed for Children's Church. They will be upstairs in the Children's Chapel. And we are in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed in their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. One of the amazing things about Scripture is how God in his sovereignty chose to use pictures to show us things, particularly in the Old Testament. Lots of pictures, lots of, of things were drawn for us that, that we could put better together in all of their fullness as Christ has come now. Some of those pictures begin to come into more and more focus and we begin to understand what God was trying to show us. And one of the things that he shows us with a picture is done with leprosy. Jesus healed a leper in this account. He he did it a couple of times in Scripture. But that leprosy is a picture for us. It's meant to show us more than just some physical uh, malady. And it's a horrible disease, leprosy. Um, It causes nerve endings to die. And so then, because you don't have any feeling um, in, in days, in biblical days... Things like rodents could chew on your fingers and you wouldn't know it until you woke in the morning. And all of that disfigurement would come because of those nerve endings being dead. And uh, horrible, horrible kinds of scenes were played out with leprosy. And leprosy was not just one kind of ailment, but it affected the entire body. It affected all of all of the body body in in really devastating kinds of ways. But all of that is used as a picture. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Leviticus chapter 14. Now, if you've been one who's attempted to read through Scripture from beginning to end, the place where you kind of get slowed down oftentimes is in Leviticus. And sometimes you have a tendency just to read over those things. But really, there are pictures there for us. I want to read to you some Verses out of Leviticus chapter 14. Because we begin to see the picture that God is painting with leprosy. Let's read with verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person... The priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedarwood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. 
He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open air. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all of his hair and bathe himself in water. And he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and he shall be clean. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one a ewe lamb, a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephraim. Uh, of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and the wave and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offerings in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand, and dip his right finger in the oil, that is left, that is in his left hand, and sprinkle some oil with his fingers seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is, to, that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterwards he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. And then it goes on to say if he's poor and can't afford some of the things talked about here, there's other ways. But here we get a picture that God paints for us and he uses leprosy as, as the symbolism. Leprosy symbolized the effects of sin in life. Now, in the story that we read, as you go back into Luke, there was some who, who uh, believed, and it was wrong to believe this, that that uh, the leprosy came upon the person because they had sin in a degree that other people didn't. That, that's not true. The leprosy came because of sin, in the big picture of sin. We've all sinned, and so brokenness come. But not in the small picture that this person had sinned more than another. It wasn't some kind of judgment on the person specifically, but in general. The brokenness of our world. Now, there were a few accounts where God specifically put leprosy as a judgment. And because of that, people took that and, and conveyed it to all people. That that was always God's judgment. 
specific for specific sin. But that was not always the case and was not the case. And so in this account, when Jesus comes into contact with a leprous person, we begin to see a picture of sin in general, not in specific, not in the sense that the cleansing of a leprous person because they were more sinful, but leprosy becomes synonymous with the effect of sin in all of our lives. And this morning, before we come to the table, I just want to remind us of the effects of sin, the reason for this table, the reason why it is so precious here. If you look at the leprous person, the first thing that you notice is that they were alienated from God. There was an alienation from God that's portrayed in that symbol. Now, the alienation on the human level is the alienation that that person had. When you got leprosy, when you contracted leprosy, you were an outcast. You no longer could have any attachment or association with your family. Sometimes family would take them food, but they would leave it in a certain place and they would come and come to that place to get the food after the family that had brought it had left. There, there, was, there was great risk of being in contact and so they were completely ostracized. Can you imagine that? Can you just imagine that one day you wake up and you see something? And you fear what it is and then your fear is confirmed. And from that moment on, you have no contact ever again with anyone except other leprous people. Total, you see the picture? Alienation. Sin alienates us. In leprosy, the picture of that, of sin, it, it alienates us. We are alienated from God. We, we fundamentally must understand that. Our sin alienates us from God. It, it has to. God must not allow unpunished sin to just go by the wayside. It, it has an effect. It alienates. The leprous person was totally alienated. That's point one. Number two is... They were helpless to do anything about it. It's one thing to, to have a problem, but you can do something about it. But the second part of this is there was absolutely nothing they could do about the alienation. There was no way that leprosy in this day could be healed. There was no, there was no cure for it. It was, a, it was a life sentence of alienation. Again, the picture of, of sin. Sin devoid of what this table represents, there's, there's no remedy. It alienates. Alienation is permanent. And that's what leprosy conveyed. Total, total alienation with no hope that there was anything that the leprous person could do to fix it. There was nothing they could do. So you begin to see the state of that. And so you begin in that, begin to see in this text now, the risk that that leprous person took. You can, you can only understand that when you realize those two points. No contact and no way to ever have any contact. But someplace along the way, somehow the leprous person heard about Jesus and heard about the miraculous healings that had taken place that we talked about last week. 
And so he takes great risk to come close to Jesus. Think of the fear. Think of the trepidation that must have been in his heart. Wondering. Because had he done that with any priest or anyone else, you understand what would have happened. But he takes a risk. He comes. He's desperate. There's no other hope. His last hope is Christ. His last hope for ever not being alienated for all of life is here. And he takes the risk. He comes. He casts himself on the mercy of Christ. Listen to what he said. While he was in one of the cities, there came a leprous man. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Just hear the emotion in that. He just comes and casts himself completely on the mercy of Christ. That's the offense of the gospel there, isn't it? The gospel says there is nothing we can do. We are alienated from God without hope the gospel that's the bad news of the gospel that's what makes the gospel good news but you've got to get the bad news first and most people won't swallow the bad news they won't swallow that they are completely alienated and that they have no way to do anything about that alienation that's the offense of the gospel that's why people react to the gospel in sometimes violent ways. That is the gospel. This man had no hope except to cast himself on the mercy of Christ. That is the gospel. That's what happened here. He cast himself on the mercy of Christ. And the wonderful thing about the gospel is Christ responded. He touched him. He touched him. Look at the passage. It says, he, he stretched out his hand in verse 13. I will be clean. You, we don't know how long, but it probably had been a long time since this man had felt that kind of human touch. But Jesus touched him. He didn't just say be clean. He touched him. He, he risked defilement according to the law, in touching a leprous person. There were regulations about touching them, but he touched them. And there we see the gospel come. That is exactly what the incarnation is about, that God touches us. He doesn't stay aloof. He doesn't stay in heaven apart from us, but Christ who is God, comes and touches us. That, that is what the incarnation is all about. That He entered fully into the brokenness, fully in. And fully entering in is He touched it. He touched the leprous person. He who had no sin became sin in touching that leprous person. That we might become the righteousness of God. You see it there? You see the two coming together? He touched the leprous person. He entered fully in. 
and was tainted with sin, was tainted with our sin, not his own. He didn't pay the penalty for his own sin, but he touched our sin. He touched him. That's Christ. That's mercy. And then he turns and he says to him, don't tell anybody. And that isn't fully understandable. Nobody knows exactly for sure, but it probably had something to do with the fact you need to go back to the priest first. You need to go back to Leviticus chapter 14 first. Go back and and do what the law requires you to do. Do what the ceremonial law requires you to do. That's really what Jesus sent him to do. Go back to do that. Go through it. Why? It hadn't passed away yet. The ceremonial law was not fully gone yet. When did it leave? When Jesus cried, it's finished on the cross. That law, what he was described to do, was to go back and go through it and really to see the glory of the gospel. The reason I read Leviticus chapter 14 to you, the reason we ought not to pass through that part when we're going through the Bible, is because I hope when you read it, God helps you to see the glory of the gospel. Helps you to see that it's all pointing to something else. It's, it's a picture. It's a symbol pointing us to Christ. And so he said, go back. Go back to the priest. Go back and do all that you're commanded to do. And see the glory of it. See the glory of what's happened. I pray God helps us we come to the table to see the glory of that. Turn with me to Hebrews and then we're going to come to the table. Verse 11 of chapter 10. It says there, and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. That's what was happening in Leviticus for the leprous person. Offering sacrifices. But then it says, which can never take away sins. What does that mean? Can never fully take away sins. In other words, it's pointing us to something else. It never fully satisfies. It never can be done the last time by the priest. These priests. It's pointing to something else. There's got to be something else coming. That's the pictures of the Old Testament. There's something else coming. Something. And then it says in verse 12 about the something. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies will be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified or perfected. All of that points us points us to our own sin. Do you know that your sin alienates you completely? Do you know that you can do nothing about that alienation except look to the mercy of Christ? And do you know, this is the most important, do you know when you cry out for the mercy of Christ in that fashion, His mercy comes. He touches you. He touched us. He who had no sin became sin for us. 
There are two responses to sin. One is to deny it. One is to say, if we don't deny it, that it doesn't permeate everything about us, that it doesn't totally, totally alienate us. That's one way to see sin. But the other way sometimes people sin is that it's so much. It's so bad. It so alienates me that there's no hope. Some of you come week after week to worship services. But you're not resting in the finished work of Christ. You, 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 you don't fully experience the mercy of Christ because deep down within you, you're continuing to buy the lie. Continuing to buy the lie that God, Christ can't do it for me. He, he, he can't be merciful to me. He knows who I am and he can't. And Satan will continue. That's the accusation. He'll continue to do that. He'll continue to keep you from resting. If he, if he can't get you to deny your sin, he'll just deny that Christ will be merciful to you in your sin. And both keep you alienated. Both keep you at a place where you need not be. The answer is to acknowledge the alienation. To acknowledge that I can do nothing about the alienation but cast myself on the mercy of Christ. And then to believe when we do, He is merciful. And to know the touch. To know that He touches us. And He forgives us. And His his sacrifice makes us perfect forever, even as we're being made perfect. In other words, He sees us with the righteousness that He has provided. He puts that robe on us, even as under that robe, week after week we come, not yet fully perfected. But that fact that we're not fully perfected does not keep us from the mercy of God. And the more we see that it doesn't, the more willing we are to let Him better perfect us, to better change us, to better make us what He wants us to be. I pray this morning that as we come to this table now, you won't deny your sin, but at the same time, you won't see it beyond the mercy of Christ. But you see mercy. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning as we come that you will help us to know that this table beckons to us that you touch us. You touch us. You entered fully in. And you are our righteousness as we cast ourselves on your mercy. Lord, help us to be strengthened this morning with that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for those to come who are going to help us. We have open communion this morning. You need not be a member of our church to receive it. You just need to be in the posture of casting yourselves on the mercy of Christ. We invite you to take it as it comes and hold it and we'll partake together. This represents the body of Christ to us.
satisfied if we don't acknowledge our sin and cast ourselves on his mercy. If we think we can do part of it and Christ does the rest, he'll not be satisfied. Christ must do it all. He is the only one that satisfies the Father. But some of you this morning may listen to the lie that says he's not satisfied. 
I didn't do it well enough. You know your sin, but your sin keeps you from Christ in the wrong way. You only need to cast yourself on His mercy. That's what we're doing. As we take of this, we are casting ourselves on the mercy of God, of Christ. That's where we stand. Take and eat. Be grateful. Yeah. 
God in His mercy had not taught me years ago how to deal with the accusations of the enemy of my soul. I wouldn't be here today. They come. They come nearly every Sunday morning. The difference between then and now is I know what to do with them. Young people, don't let those accusations keep you away from the mercy of Christ or old person, wherever you land. The truth is, for all who ask and call out for His mercy, Christ extends mercy. This morning I prayed, He who believes in me will never be put to shame, even as we knelt here. I pray it for somebody else? No, I prayed it for me. Take and drink, again, casting yourselves in confidence on the mercy of Christ. stand together and sing what we sing. safer place in all of this world to be than there. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.